Dudes watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. This one is a special one, isn't it, Dustin? It is. I'm I'm Dustin from Dudes Watch Disney, and he's Jake. And it's true. We're here to do what uh, most people would call a best of episode. What we might call a you know least sucky episode <laughs> from these last ten that we've talked about. I mean, there's no guarantee of that we could totally get to the editing stage and have horrible audio problems again. <laughs> well, that's fair. Everything could be sucky at any moment. <laughs> so we have now watched twenty uh, of the official Disney canon films. It's and true. Just as we did uh, af- upon finishing the tenth one, we are ready to, uh, as I put it in the last uh, best of, look right up your rectum with a rectum spective uh, on the uh-huh. last ten that we've watched, films eleven through twenty, uh, starting with one hundred and one Dalmatians and going all the way through the Great Mouse Detective. Right. I was thinking maybe we should just start out to recap the the past ten films we've done. Uh, started in what was it like 60 61 well, something like that well i can like tell that. you cuz i added all those okay. th- I, I didn't add them i had them added to our spreadsheet mm-hmm. 100 and whoa I clicked a thing <laughs> from our from our intern <laughs> yeah we got her to add them in for us 101 dalmatians 1961 right so starting in 1961 we're going all the way up to the 80s so 1986 first film was 101 dalmatians next was sword in the stone mhm then the Jungle Book from. And, oh, sorry, I was hoping sorry. you would name the year. <laughs> My bad. Sword in the Stone from 1963. Then was Jungle Book from 1967. Then was Aristocats from 1970. I don't remember what was next. Might have been Robin Hood. It was Robin Hood from 1973. <laughs> okay. Then was uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh from 1977. Then was Rescuers. Also from 1977. Then was Fox and the Hound. 1981. Then was Black Cauldron. Correct. Year. <laughs> oh, sorry. I got distracted. Someone else is clicking in our drive. What? Our intern. Our oh. intern is clicking through, and I was distracted by all the clicking. Sorry. Uh, watch one Fox and the Hound. Someone's hack, hacked into our mainframe. This is like uh, when Dwight gets messages from the future. <laughs> um, Fox and the Hound was 1981. Black okay. Cauldron was Black. 1985. Yeah, Black Cauldron is where we were. Uh, 1985. And, and then was Great Mouse Detective. 1986. So, uh, after going through those 10 films, uh, if you've missed any of those episodes along the way, we invite you to check them out. We do in-depth discussions about all of those films. But uh, today, we're going to be doing sort of looking at things on a broader spectrum uh, and just viewing trends that from throughout these films, uh, trying to pick just from this group, trying to pick some things that were our favorites, some things that were our least favorites, etc., etc. So... If you have not listened to our previous 10 episodes, first of all, shame on you. Uh, And second of all, you can use this as a sort of a jumping off point. You can hear us mention each one of these and uh, get little tastes of the discussion we had. Uh, And if that doesn't leave a bad taste in your (laughs) mouth, then you can go find uh, the full episodes in the archives. It's true, because the last time around, I... uh tried to make it a little bit of a clip show as well and I'll I'll try to do the same with this one. So like here's a funny clip right now. Huh? Show me where you go with this. Did you 
pick up uh, on the name of the magical land where they live? Aradon? Yeah, okay. So as I watched the first time, I did not pick up on that. And mm-hmm. so the whole movie, I thought they were saying Oregon. <laughs> and so there's no magic in Oregon. <laughs> Like, which is not how, there are people, I believe, who pronounce the state that way. That's not how we Arkansans say it, Oregon. Right, but, right. Uh, because she, she feels remorse. Right. She doesn't want to be too cruel. Uh, yeah, so she oh, makes yeah, up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that happens, yes. <laughs> then in this next scene, we do be our guest for no oh goddamn God. reason. We do be our guest. And we don't change any of the fucking words. So we're talking as if we're all silverware, even though we're yep. grown-ass people. We don't even change Ask the, the dishes. Out. Right, yes, mm-hmm. we do that. We live to serve. No, you're a fucking prince. You definitely don't. Uh, and, like, after all, this is France. No, it's not. It's Oregon. You've just established that. <laughs> that doesn't like, make any we're sense. We're in fucking Portland, Oregon. And it's the worst, like, pitch-perfect fucking auto-tuned uh, oh, yeah. acapella and, like, bullshit. Did, like, oh, yeah. This is some fucking bull... I forgot the, forgot the name of the band. I was going to... perfect No. Oh. Rock... Rockapella. <laughs> no, that would be cool. Before that, though, he uh-huh. opens the door and... S- says i understand the difference between pretty and beautiful and that's where i wrote down i feel like that's the tween panty dropper <laughs> like it's the most like yeah oh, the most like vapid fucking line uh-huh. like i understand like now. this will be on fucking tumblr gifts exactly. everywhere between be- pretty and beautiful and then he's like all right let's go on my bike and it's like dude a moped is not a bike <laughs> you are not winning any pussy right. with this one <laughs> and, uh Dopey's got a son. Who fucked Dopey? <laughs> Maybe Dopey's got like a gigantic dick. Oh man, that was hilarious. <laughs> it sure was. Now let's get into the meat of the matter. Let's talk about what is the best film we've seen out of this bunch. Oh, did you want to start there? I, I thought I we don't might. Uh, I was just, just trying to segue. Of... Oh, uh, well, well, we'll pretend none of this happened. Dad. Sure. I figured we would just sort of briefly discuss discuss each one along the way, and then sure, uh, and we'll we'll try to if we remember anything about the recording process for those episodes, we'll probably throw those in too. Because uh, right. fun fact, it was like two years ago that we did the last best of episode. We yeah, we tend true. to record these things around WrestleMania. I don't know if anyone's figured mm-hmm. that out yet. <laughs> But that's probably not since we don't release them and for another few months after it that. doesn't really translate but we recorded this this the first best of episode was a wrestlemania 33 episode and then yeah. so was 101 dalmatians so yeah. try to remember that last wrestlemania was descendants and robin hood and it's not wrestlemania yet but it will be soon and we'll record again then so none of this matters and let's move on yes i don't know how much i remember from uh, each episode i remember where we recorded each one more <laughs> right. than like but maybe some of the discussion will come back to us we started though two years ago nearly <laughs> with 101 dalmatians right we did and uh we i well let me speak for myself i remember that uh episode was different because we watched the film together uh which oh, was yeah. not a thing we've done before or since <laughs> so we watched it and then uh just went straight into recording pretty much right after that i think we did, and that was that was different. Uh, watching it together, it was uh, difficult to like not comment on things when we saw them. That's um, true. Yeah, especially because we were watching like a DVR version of it, and so we had to like fast forward through commercials and also not talk about it during right those commercial breaks. It's like let's sit here in silence for the next two minutes while we fast forward. Because right. let's talk about these commercials we're zooming through <laughs> instead. Mm-hmm. 
I remember the only thing we we did discuss as we were watching it live was the like when they're watching the TV and what's clearly a GIF of <laughs> that's true the uh, show that they're watching and and uh, I spotted it I think and then we backed up and watched it again to confirm that that's what it was. I think we had a little discussion about the uh, blackface cartoon that was going on. To if you don't remember uh, this little minute detail from 101 Dalmatians, there is a scene where all the Dalmatians are watching the TV and it's like. A, an unpleasant caricature of like some daffodils singing and dancing on the TV, and it's yeah, yeah. And then later in the movie, all the dogs go in in blackface. That is true. When they disguise themselves as 101 black dogs, and no one cares. <laughs> that movie when they walk by on the street might be problematic. <laughs> but I thought that was sort of a letdown. Like if one of the characters is a songwriter, that should they be perfect have played around for the, a bit the Disney. But. He's is he's not the main character though. It's not 101 kids. Right. <laughs> like that would be a crazy story. It would be a crazy story, especially if the kids had to cover themselves in powder to become oh, no. black kids. Oh no, we just wrote something horrible. I mean, it is probably true that people would look the other way at the hundred black kids who are hiding in the back of the truck. You know, they just might. global issues. There's another thing going on on this scene going on on the television that the puppies are all watching we get some dancing sunflowers yeah and they're only there for about three seconds but the sunflowers are most definitely in blackface yeah that's the why yeah. why i don't know if that's an actual like cartoon I think it might have been. Okay, in that case that would make some sense but why you could pick any cartoon mm-hmm. why would you pick that one to put in the movie I, I don't know. Maybe, and especially, maybe it's foreshadowing since later in the movie, the puppies will you also know? have to be in blackface. <laughs> maybe that's where they got the idea. There you go. Okay, huh. it's foreshadowing. You know, we've got our puppies, but where are all these other ones? And Roger's like, well, fuck it. Let's adopt all of them. We'll, we'll have 101 Dalmatians. And they're like, where will we put them all? And then we're like, we'll buy a new house, a plantation. And then, the, whoa, what a sensation. And then, just to be clear, he wants to fill his plantation with black dogs you know <laughs> i feel like we're drawing some conclusions face. that we're not meant to be drawn okay but you're right dalmatian plantation they which is going to be his follow-up single which i don't want to undersell roger's musical he is successes. a one-hit wonder <laughs> but the movie itself i remember our larger discussion was more on cruella Deville, and uh because we didn't think she she's often heralded as like a great disney villain but we didn't think she really carried the film the way that she should and it was almost like we weren't sure if she was meant to be goofy or meant to be scary and it was like trying to toe the line between both and we'll have a big villain discussion in a little bit but just yeah but the issue with Corella was that uh, just just inconsistent uh, tonally. Like sometimes she was a major threat, especially at the end of the movie when they're doing the big car chase. Sometimes she's goofy. Her definitely Horace and Jasper are goofy. Yes, but uh, her own tone is is up and down, bumbling uh, henchman. Yes, a trope. Uh, but things I remember liking about 101 Dalmatians: the opening, like pen- pencil sketches, uh, in the opening credits. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I, I think we'll have a discussion about the the openings of these films as we go along too because that's definitely shifted in the you know 25 years of filmmaking that's taken place uh because you know we, we didn't really have to discuss this in the beginning uh 10 films because like it was pretty much always title screen credits and then after like a two minute you know intro then we get into the story but that's you know i don't know if attention spans are getting shorter or just directors are realizing we can move things further but as 
we've seen, uh, you know, growing as we go through these films, uh, what's becoming a lot more common is the cold open. You know, we start out with a scene from the film and then we jump into the credits. Right. And on a related front, uh, just recently watched uh, Captain Marvel, which doesn't even uh, open with like uh, most or a lot of the Marvel movies have like a cold open and then will at least flash up like the title uh, and Mm -hmm. then go on to the rest of the movie after that, maybe with some sort of like fanfare. This didn't even do that. Like that uh, screen uh, showing the title of the movie doesn't come up until the very end of the movie. Um, Interesting. So, uh, and that's just, I mean, a lot of movies are that way where they try to jump right into it right away. And people are on their phones. Speaking of the people, a couple rows in front of us, just old people just on their phones, the whole movie, like mm. bright as can be. Of course. Trying to, yeah. One of them actually answered the phone. Oh. Which, um, we're, we were watching at the IMAX theater, which is usually louder than the others, I feel like. Uh, plus, like, it's not like that's a quiet movie. Like, this is, a, you know, action, battle scenes, whatever. Uh, and just there's no way the person on the other end of that phone call understood a word no, he was yelling. But... I can't imagine. Yeah. So I was also just thinking that it's funny that you just gave a detail about the ending of that movie, even if it wasn't a major thing. But it's funny because it won't be a spoiler by the time this episode comes out because <laughs> that movie will already be on DVD. It's not really a spoiler. It's not. Know, like, hey, would you like to see the title screen of the movie? It shows up at the end. Captain Marvel's the name of the movie you just paid to go see. Right. Well, it's a detail that, you know, that movie's in theaters now, but it <laughs> it won't be. They do... A nice thing before the movie starts, you know, they normally do the little Marvel uh, comic mm-hmm. book page flip thing, you know, with clips of all the different movies. This time, as a tribute, it was just clips of Stan Lee's cameos from Aww. all the movies Yeah, um, with the same theme and then like, thank you, Stan. And then the movie started. It was really nice. I imagine if you were going to like a midnight showing, that would be a big applause thing or whatever. Probably. Uh, it was not, you know, a weekend. How do you feel about people clapping in the movie theater? It's the worst. I also will never go to a midnight showing again either, but... I won't either because I'm too old, but... Sure. uh, Generally, I don't want to be around fans of a thing. (laughs) Like... Yeah. That's... I mean, everybody is fans of something, but the people that are like fan fans are like uh, no well, it just doesn't make a lot of sense like if you clap at a concert or at a live performance of something like those right. people are there the to people receive hear that your, yeah but if you're just cl- you're just watching media do these do these people clap at home when they watch things <laughs> like that God. that said i often clap along when watching football or baseball or something when something well, cool that, happens like, that's yeah, a little different. good job man sure that's not a scripted event well still it makes as much sense so that guy can't hear me clapping right. for him but that's just caught up in the moment excitement oh, okay. you know maybe so i don't know anyway 101 dalmatians yeah. uh, <laughs> i remember getting really bored by the end of that movie that's what i remember about i do because it. it was a thing i enjoyed a lot as a kid and then just like the wind comes out of its sails before the movie's over with the movie it's most analogous to i suppose would be uh, lady and the tramp from the first 10 um, but even right. still, it, Lady and the Tramp is just much better. Like, it tells a much better story. Yeah. Like, we have added a villain here, which we don't really have in Lady and the Tramp. But other than that, uh, it's much better. Like, if you have, if the title characters, if there's over a hundred of them, you can't keep track of all of them. Most of them don't have names. Most of them don't have personalities. It's really just about their... I'm not sure any of them have well, personality. At least the, like, first... The fat one. <laughs> the first seven or eight or however many 15 uh puppies that they have uh at least have per some sort of trait if not a full-blown personality about them that would you call it a fur personality 
I would not. Uh, <laughs> but then you add all these other ones in. Like, I guess the dogs are the main characters. We'll talk about the uh, most and least effective protagonists later on in the uh, in the discussion. But, yeah. And then after 101 Dalmatians came The Sword and the Stone, which I knew was a bad film going in and remembered it being bad <laughs> as we watched yeah, it. Yeah, if... Uh... Really, my notes from Sword in the Stone really sum it up uh, in a really damning way. The last thing that I wrote in my notes about Sword in the Stone was this this question, were we too hard on Dumbo? (laughs) (laughs) And that really explains it. Like, uh, we hate Dumbo. If you know, if if you're a long-time listener, thanks of all. Thanks of all. (laughs) Long-time listener, first of all, thank you. Uh, But you're aware that we cannot stand Dumbo. And uh, Sword in the Stone is worse than Dumbo, um, so that's that's remarkable. I ranked Sword in the Stone higher than Dumbo, but you're right. Well, well I they are both in my rankings. Quite bad it films. is below Dumbo. It is actually at the bottom of my 20 film rankings at this point. Right, and while I was surprised to know, like, to find out that I didn't much care for 101 Dalmatians, I was not surprised to, when I watched Sword in the Stone. And it was like, I remember this being bad every time I watched it. It hasn't gotten any better. And, like, it's got oh, so many problems. And, we, you know, we're going through um, Disney's kind of down years here, specifically with these ten films, especially when budget was an, a much bigger issue. And you can note uh, it, it's easy to notice those problems while you're watching the film. Like, uh, Arthur's, you know, Arthur's the main our protagonist. His voice, he has three different people doing his voice. It changes throughout the film. We redo, like, the same animation. We redo the same, like, stock sounds throughout. And it's just... Even in addition to the larger problems where it's like, uh, you know, where is this story going? What about the sword? What about the tournaments? Like, just visually, you can already see the problems. Right. And then Merlin looks like if we just painted Geppetto's bedclothes blue, like we didn't give him a cool wizard outfit and wizards should have cool (laughs) outfits. It's like the most important thing for wizards. He doesn't even have like stars on it or anything. just bullshit. Just blue. Like, ooh, I just woke up. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a wizard. Come and live with me, little boy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much all of Merlin's lines. <laughs> yeah. And then, Woo! <laughs> check out my robe. <laughs> uh, and then, like, this is a legend that has endured for centuries, right? Arthurian legend is super old. Like, uh, right. maybe, you know, a thousand years old or more. Like, it's really old, uh, Arthur. Arthurian legend and something that's been inspiring uh, to uh, to you know boys and, and young men uh, f- throughout the years, and somehow we made Arthur the fucking worst when he should be like everyone's hero and like he's great and look at this little guy and he became king and you can make it too little guy and instead it's just like I hate this kid I hate him mm. so much his voice is stupid it's he's a, stupid right. he's the worst it's a it, like we turned uh king arthur into a magic school bus lesson like yeah that's and, the whole movie and you can do a story about a little kid growing and learning things without making the little kid awful like mowgli's not awful uh i would say todd and copper aren't you know awful right uh, so i don't know why why arthur is so so terrible also, the pacing of that movie is really weird. Like, we spend forever on some of Merlin's lessons uh, and then randomly introduce a villain in the last, like, ten minutes, and then uh, we forget all about the sword at one point. Arthur right. literally had one job uh, to bring the sword to his uh, stepbrother, whatever his name is. 
Are they stepbrothers? I don't know. The the, the older uh, guy he's with. <laughs> that sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> Kane. That's got to be Kane. That's his yeah. name, right? He's supposed to keep track of Kane's sword. Whatever the opposite of a squire is, that's what he is to Arthur. Yeah, I don't know. Because Arthur is the squire. But either way, he uh, forgets the sword at the big tournament and then has to go find a different sword, so he pulls the one out of the stone. I want to say that, does that even, no, it does happen. I thought, I started to say it happened off camera. It does not. No, Uh, it's definitely on camera. But it is sort of like, oh, by the way, let me just pull this out. Here we go. Like, so now it's tourney time. Uh... Art realizes he forgot Kay's sword. Oh, look, it's the plot device. I'm yeah, gonna go grab it. Here's this sword stuck in a stone. I could use it. <laughs> look, sword here's in this the stone. hot tub time machine. Yeah. I'm gonna grab this. Choirs start going off. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good sign when you grab something and a choir starts singing. So Art carries it, it back and is like, here, have this sword. And a fucking. It's, I didn't even understand where we went from here because everyone's like. This is where did you get this sword? This is the sword in the right, stone. No one believes that he pulled it from the stone. They put it back in the stone, which does it still work that way? Like I mean, they demonstrate well, it slides yeah. right back in. Um, but right, and then when I think Kane tries to remove it and can't, <laughs> I just wrote lol at Hector's reaction to the sword being pulled, being to immediately put it back. <laughs> <laughs> this legendary thing has happened. No. <laughs> like, I had, like, breaking something at a museum and then putting it back on the on the stand and walking away real quick. Which I get it's supposed to be like Arthur wasn't trying to be king. He was just, you know, trying to help out his, uh, trying to do his job and trying to help out uh, the guy that he's working for. But, right. Ugh. But we lose track along the way because, our, you know, the sword says the king will be brave and true and courageous. And he's none of those things in the act of getting the sword. Like, he just yeah. finds it and grabs it, you know. He doesn't have to prove those traits. Um, but I also wanted to talk about <clears throat> a sword in the stone is, uh, you know, you mentioned Arthurian legend. That's, you know, clearly what we're adapting for this film. We seem to be doing that a lot over the course of these 10 films is just picking an existing legend or story and working with that. I guess that goes back to like the fairy tales thing from the first 10 episodes, which we've pretty much moved away from at least the fairy tale princess castle kind of thing that we, you know, your Snow Whites, your Cinderella's, your Sleeping Beauties. But now we're drawing from King Arthur. Afterwards, we do Robin Hood, which is obviously a legend as old as time or whatever. And then... You know, even later on, we do Great Mouse Detective, and it's like clearly meant to be Sherlock Holmes. It, it's interesting right. to see that trend as we go on. We're about to do like Oliver and Company, which is a Charles Dickens story, you know. But they're not even doing their own adaptations of these things. They're finding books that are already adaptations of right. these older and just stories, like reskinning them as like Disney. Which, to be fair, they were doing with the first ten as well. Like Bambi was a novel, and sure, yeah. Uh, that was the only example I had off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are others. Peter Pan. Um, Dumbo was a story as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so we haven't seen like an original Disney uh, story other than the ones that we didn't like, the package movies and Fantasia. <laughs> sure. But um, I mean, these are more like like ad- things that have already been adap- adapted, adapted <laughs> like a bunch of different times over the years. And this is uh, a question adaptated. I don't know the answer to, but uh, if... We do think about it, and if we don't count Fantasia, what is the first, uh, you know, original Disney oh, story? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, because it's it wouldn't be Oliver and Company, it wouldn't be Little Mermaid, 
not really on uh, Aladdin or Lion King, Hunchback, Pocahontas, maybe based on a real person, but the story is there. But right, but the story is right. in no way related. <laughs> the story to is life, made up, so they might get credit for that one. Uh, right. Then Tarzan, <laughs> no. Um, uh, I mean, everything's going to be at least drawing inspiration from somewhere, some existing legend or book or right. myth or whatever. Well, I don't know, but that that's just a movie studio. Like they're just going to be buying scripts. But yes and on no anything. on that because there are definitely some where they got the rights for the book. Uh, and then went, yeah, but don't pay attention to the book. Like Jungle Book, which, which is exactly. the next one we're about to talk about. Yes. Uh, Walt said, hey, guys, let's just not even worry about the book. Like, right. keep the little boy in the forest and the tiger and go from there. Like, And I think looking ahead, there's a few different places they might should have done that. Uh, where perhaps they'd stuck to the source material a little more in, in other films. Like, Black Cauldron comes to mind. But, like... Uh, Jungle Book very much says, eh, this is a book, but don't worry about it. Like, you know, right. we're going to make our own characters. They're going to be singing our own songs. We're going to be doing our own thing. And it's the biggest hit of this entire, you know, generation of films. So I think it clearly paid off. And towards the end of this episode, we will rank all 10 of these movies uh, and then tell uh, our whole top 20 list uh, for what we've recorded so far. But uh, it's not a surprise that Jungle Book is the best of this bunch. Yeah. Like, it is, I mean, it's a great movie on its own, but it is also surrounded by bullshit in this <laughs> right. uh, list. It is the uh, WrestleMania 10 of this generation. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of these we enjoyed because we watched them a lot when we were little and we have some nostalgia going for them. But right. I think if you were watching some of these for the first time, you would think, how did this movie studio last as long as it did? And we, and it was kind of on its ass at this point and about to uh, in danger of going out of business. But uh, yeah, Jungle Book definitely. And it, it you know, it's it a film we had a lot of fun with. Uh, I definitely remember the recording process i think that one's our longest episode like it's over two hours we were doing a bunch of other shit at the same time too like doing right because the choose your own adventure Mm -hmm. and then uh we also had a fun romp uh listening to disney mania cds which were a thing i forgot existed but uh yep want to be like you smash mouth god damn it (laughs) disney mania was the album superstar artists sing disney their way <laughs> Superstar artist featuring Baja men singing Akuna Matata. <laughs> Bowling for soup doing the bare necessities. Ooh. Jessica Simpson part of your world. Aaron Carter, I just can't wait to be king. Oh. Oh sure, you'll be that's an actual big star. Why does this have like a reggae beat? <laughs> It appears the Bowling for Soup one after this ad is on Disney Mania 3. Oh, there are multiple ones. Raven Simone did Under the Sea. AJ, or Allie and AJ, Zippity Doodah. The Cheetah Girls. (laughs) Jonas Brothers, I Want to Be Like You. That's probably better. On Disney, Disney Mania 5. This is the Bare Necessities. Acoustic white guy bear necessities sounds like the worst. Selena Gomez, Corella Deville, 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 
Baja Men into Smallville. They brought back the Baja Men. They didn't have much going on. Jesse McCartney, the second star to the right. Oh, God. This is horrible. <laughs> Fucking me first in the Gimme Gimme's doing Disney songs. Alright, let's see if the Joe Bros did any better. Miley Cyrus, part of your world. Jonas Brothers, Yoho, a pirate's life for me. I'd like to point out the dust in his head banging while this is happening. <laughs> Imagine some like nine-year-old girl that thinks she's just totally punk rock. Right, uh, listening to that song. She has the like weird socks on her forearms. <laughs> I don't think they're socks, but I know what you mean. Yeah, um, equally punk rock. You know, socks on your forearm. It's a uh. thing. Nice, and uh, that's also where the the Dusty Roads Lord of the Rings discussion came from right. too, right? So it would be like imagine if. Uh, in like Lord of the Rings, we don't ever talk about uh, Sauron right. or orcs or anything bad, <laughs> and they just randomly show up. Like, oh shit, bad guys! We're what just going hell? on a walk in like, the woods, yeah. and then swarm of Urukai. <laughs> right, but they establish from the beginning, like right. this guy's really bad, and right. he's going coming for this ring, and we got to get out of here. Same. That was a really lame explanation of something that takes hundreds of pages. No, that's basically what Elrond like said he's, at, the, at the council. He's really bad, and we gotta get out. We gotta go, baby. He's coming for my ring, and I got to go. I got to go to Maldo. But one of the things that walk into Maldo, baby. I would have loved to see Dusty Rhodes perform Lord of the Rings. But here I am, my, my buddy Samwise. I said, Samwise Gamgee. Saruman. You put hard times on the dream, baby. On the Middle-Earth dream. Son of a gardener. I offered up my innocence, and I got repaid with scorn. When you turned your back on me, it's gonna be shameful, Saruman. Well, Jungle Book. I don't even remember how we started on that, but yes. I don't either. Who knows? It doesn't take much to shoehorn a wrestling discussion <laughs> in for us. And case in point, uh, in the Bret Hart book, which I've never read, uh, don't okay. have any intention of reading. I haven't either. Uh, he discusses a, uh, a wrestler rubric uh, for how to uh, find the perfect wrestler. And it has, uh, it's called the Bret Hart scale, I think. Right. Um, and he ranks them on like uh, charisma and selling. Or I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, uh, promos, uh, the the one who maxes out all the scores on his scale, uh, and therefore the greatest wrestler of all time, in his opinion, do you know who it is? Uh, Ric Flair. I don't know. Uh, it's Randy Savage. Okay. Um, I mean, Which sure. makes sense, because yeah. if, if you rank them that way, he has everything. Uh, and Jungle Book, for our own rubric, uh, does all of those things, too. Like, it has, you know, it's got great music, it has a great villain, it tells a good story, mm-hmm. it... Uh, you know, it's got Disney magic along the way. Not as much magic uh, as, I mean, it doesn't have any, like, actual, like, magic happening. Right. Lowercase m magic. But sure. it has the, the feel-good Disney moments uh, along the way. Right. I think the only place it's maybe lacking a little bit is in the visual department. But, I, uh, you know, we had discussed that in the episode. And I feel like 
it made the best that it could do with a um you know a limited budget mm-hmm. and it, it definitely looks better than like aristocats or you know robin hood which look way sketchier right but if you're comparing it to um another forest movie like the forest in bambi look better than right. the forest in the jungle there are detail. times where where Mowgli looks pretty cheap um yeah. and some of the backgrounds look pretty cheap as well right I mean, that said, that's nitpicking on a fantastic <laughs> exactly. movie. I mean, yeah. A movie that got 24 and a half out of 30 uh, on mine, at least. It got more on mine, and I don't remember how much. It got 27 and a half on mine. Oh, wow. So that's, uh, I mean, it goes to 30. So that's uh, it's an impressive score right now. Huh. It's an impressive score at all times, not just right now. <laughs> right now. Well, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens when we get to the 90s films. There may be a lot of things that shoot up to the top of this list. <laughs> So Jungle Book is great. We'll talk about the reasons that make it great later when we get into our villain discussion and uh, music discussion and all of that. Uh, so perhaps we should move on to Aristocats. Mm-hmm. Aristocats, um, I mean, we don't have a category for this, but I think Aristocats is the funniest film we've seen so far. Um, mm-hmm. Other than, you know, previous generation, maybe Snow White, uh, I think, competes with it. But it, it's just so amusing and so, uh, you know just this goofy side dog characters alone and edgar is such a ham of villain and uh you know it's it's very entertaining on that front and very watchable um that being said i think it is you know kind of lower on the story and it it doesn't feel as magnificent as a lot of other disney films we've seen uh music's still really good uh you know still got phil harris on that one too Right. Sometimes the uh, the humor, I think, can sort of detract from the uh, the plot itself in that one. Like, if you just appreciate it as, like, this movie's entertaining and it's funny, then, okay, those things are all true. Right. But it does sort of, like, undercut the... Uh, Danger. The tension yeah. of the movie. Like, this is a family that's never been out on its own. It's having to learn how to rough it uh, and all that. But all of that is sort of just swept away and, like, ha, 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 ha. He doesn't know how to swim good. Right. And these dogs are rednecks, but they're in France. Right. Which is another thing that bothered me with the movie. Just like, we've chosen to set this movie in Paris. No one made us do this. Right. We, we picked Paris. Chose, I mean, I guess uh, this. we were just saying they only adapted other people's stuff. I assume this was adapted too. I don't but, know. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe this was their original. first original one. <laughs> they put it Research. In Paris, they gave... They gave them French names, uh, but no one does any sort of accent to match that. Some of them very much don't, uh, since we have uh, very country accents, which we'll see later on when we get to Robin Hood. Of like, and my favorite thing when we were talking about Robin Hood is that we discovered uh, that they went in two different directions and then just threw them together and went, ah, "Who gives a <laughs> shit? Yeah, we're done." <laughs> They originally were going to try to get a British cast, and then they didn't do that. And then they were at the same time going to make a movie with just like bumpkins, uh, hill, yeah, bumpkins, like rednecks, hillbillies, whatever right. term you want to use. And then they went, well, let's just keep this group and this group, smash them together. Won't make any sense, but who gives a shit? We'll get some money, right? Yeah, and I don't know how much money they got, but that's very much what they did with Robin Hood. It, I think, it feels the lowest budget of all the movies we've seen so far, other than maybe Winnie the Pooh, because it's kind of a clip show, but. Um, right yeah that he says on a clip show sure <laughs> fair enough um but we have no budget <laughs> yeah so, so suck it but keep listening <laughs> the cows take pity on them and they feed the pups and uh which they did and guess what there were complaints about <laughs> that two people wrote in awkward? that it was inappropriate for the dogs to uh 
Stop. To nurse. <laughs> to nurse, or for the cows to nurse the dogs, or whichever the way nurse works is a verb. Uh, there were complaints. It was okay there were Complaints the about nature. There were complaints. It was okay earlier in the movie the when dogs they were nursed on a their dog. own mom, but mm-hmm. now that they're sucking on a cow, Zutter, <laughs> on an udder, instead of their mother, it's not okay. And complaints were made. Inappropriate. I, so my note just says inappropriate gals. So I had to explain why they were Yeah, that would be gals. really unhelpful. If we watched this several weeks ago and then tried to talk about it, you would be real confused. Damn gals were so inappropriate. <laughs> like they were just foul-mouthed or something. What are these fucking dogs doing here? Oh. <laughs> yep, exactly. But yeah. You get what you pay for, people. Robin, one of the things we discussed in the last uh, Best Of episode was uh, the category of most disappointing, um, which I think Robin Hood is going to be it for me because that film just, uh, you know, I watched it a ton as a kid, but it's it's really, it's long. There's some boring stretches and it's, uh, you know, since it's just telling a story everybody already knows and there's so many <clears throat> different versions of that story already, so some of which are better. Um I don't feel like it brings a whole lot to the table other than it's animals and Phil Harris is here, you know? Right. And for me, uh, Aristocats was the one that was the most disappointing. One that I remember really liking. Uh, but then when I, and maybe I was just not in a mood for it that day when I was watching yeah, it, but sure. like watching it was just like, I don't know about this. This is, these kids are annoying and yeah. it's not really as good as I remember it being. And like where Robin Hood, I still enjoy it. And you're right. It does drag at times, but it's still, it's fun. Yeah. Um, you did also recently have a day where you uh, showed Aristocats to all of your classes, right? So you just watched it right. like eight times in a day. That's true. That was after we did our recording. But yeah, uh, I watched it uh, six times. Yeah, the same. And not even the whole thing. The first, the first 40 minutes right. of it six times. In in French, I turned it in the in, into the French. Oh, that's Turned on the French dialogue instead of uh, English. His scales and arpeggios better in French. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's all in French. Uh, but... Uh, we lose Phil Harris, which is the best right. part of the movie. <laughs> Unfortunate. So that you know is un- is is not great. Mm. After Robin Hood would have been Winnie the Pooh, the Mini Adventures of, um, mm-hmm. which is a film we talked up so much throughout, just because I think because nostalgia is big, and I'm a, you know we're both big Pooh fans. That's just a fun <laughs> sentence. <laughs> and uh, I even went did some research for that movie for that episode too because i went ahead and you know got the book and everything and read through it and we sort of did a little compare and contrast on that one uh which i was glad for because otherwise i wasn't sure how we were gonna get enough content for that episode you know because it's mostly just yeah this scene was good and i like these characters don't you right i think what i said in that episode and uh what i still think now is that the movie is less about what happens in the movie and more about how those characters make you feel and really uh, the you know the different setups yeah uh, and as far as ensemble cast like that's got to be number one of this bunch right right i mean winnie the pooh makes you feel good like who mm-hmm. doesn't like winnie the pooh is there anyone out here who doesn't enjoy that uh, apparently not because if it's 100 percent on rotten tomatoes well sure and it is uh the first segment is really good the rest of it kind of loses some steam yeah I'd even though so. tigger's not in the first one right no, piglet's not in the first tigger's or, not or in the first one either yeah okay so both mm-hmm. piglet and tigger are not in the first one and so you would think adding them would improve it but not all that much 
Um, you get Heffalumps and Woozles, which is sort of a callback to Pink Elephants on Parade. Yeah, that's true. And just sort of like, look at this weird shit that yeah. we threw in here for no reason. <laughs> yeah, let's just do some weird stuff for a little while. Right, it doesn't even, I mean, I guess it sort of fits as it's supposed to be a nightmare that Pooh has. It makes more sense than Pink Elephants on Parade, which is totally random uh, in Dumbo. It also doesn't have a villain, so that hurt it on our rankings. It's true. Or really much of, uh, I mean, it's a, we took three different shorts and put them together. Right, so not a whole lot of plot either. You need some sort of tension to make a story work, and I guess you have Pooh getting stuck, and you've got, they need to find a new house for Eeyore. Right. Although, like, for Owl. The, sometimes the way we, for, well, Eeyore's the one who finds it. <laughs> that's right, yeah. But sometimes the way we wrap these stories up is not really satisfying if you think about it that much, like... Who can't get out, and then they finally get him out. Like, okay, that's right. fine. But we need to find a house for him. What if we just give away Piglet's house right. for no reason? Uh, but then Piglet doesn't actually live with Pooh, you know, going forward. It's just how we say we're going to end that. Like He does. We just don't ever show him together, I think. Because <laughs> he's, he's on the mailbox, I remember. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But you're right. And I think that comes with it being more of a kiddie film than the rest of them. It's just like, yeah, we're done with that story. Now let's go do another story. Like, it's kind of like being read bedtime stories, you know, which, you know, obviously is appealing, but not the easiest, you know, to rank and doesn't always hold up with the rest of these films. In terms of watchability, I might pick Winnie the Pooh over any of the other films here, like on any day. At least uh, the first segment of it. Sure. Then maybe get up and go do something else. Sure. I mean, that's a risk with me watching any movie, but yeah. It's true. And it is something, and this is something that happened during the course of the last 10 films, uh, we may learn what it's like to actually watch these movies with little kids uh, and true. how to like use them to uh, you know, entertain them for a bit or lull them to sleep or whatever it is we need. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know if we want to do personal life development in between the last best of episode and this one, but yes, you know, we are both fathers now and... You know, life's a little bit different, which might explain why the first best of episode happened one year in. And this one, there's been a two year gap before this one. But, uh, you know, and that that'll be. Well, I mean, other stuff happened like in the last two years. Uh, I mean, you more than me, like where you got married and oh, then yeah. moved and then yeah, bought a house, um, you know. Because we definitely talk about that in uh, in the last best of like you're talking about how Bellinote is going to be in the on the wedding playlist true, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that was a while ago. Like also, things have changed. In case anyone's listening, yeah, it's not with all this podcast and money I bought a house with that that didn't come with it. <laughs> yeah, we're not all the success. We're not the living show. the big time with this thing. Uh, so Winnie the Pooh uh, is great. Makes you feel good. Uh, Rescuers he, doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, rescuers. Everything that's the opposite of that. I couldn't remember her uh, in show prep for this, and I sent Jake a picture of my last set of notes. And my <laughs> notes for this are a little bit better than than for the uh, the first ten. But uh, I tried to write down at least what I could remember about the movie, uh, and then a villain and a song from each one. Yeah. I couldn't remember her name though, so I just wrote down redhead bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, those, Which, those I are her mean, two. Those are her two character traits: redhead and bitch. Right. So yeah, right. I'm not trying to be. Uh, this isn't like a Scott Steiner. Like I haven't <laughs> slept with any of these bitches. How am I supposed to know their name? Situation. Like literally, like that's who she is. Right. Like, she's awful, and she has red hair. Greedy. Uh, it turns out her name's like <laughs> Medusa. I think is her it name. is. Yeah. But yeah. So rescuers. It's a dull film. We were just talking about before we got started on this recording. Like, there's not a whole lot there. Um. 
it gets a sequel, which is surprising, and we'll see that in a little bit, and it's a vastly superior sequel. Yeah, now everything gets a sequel, but when it was done, this was the first one in the canon to get a sequel. And of all the films to choose from. <laughs> well, it was successful, right? Didn't they make... Uh, wasn't it popular? I think so. Probably. I don't know. I don't know either. We'll assume it was. <laughs> sure. I think what's frustrating about it is it's just framed wrong. If they frame the story better and just made it more about uh, Bernard and Bianca, which it mostly is anyway, but if from right. the start it was mostly about them, we set it up with, uh, from the beginning, like there's also a mouse world uh, that runs parallel to the human world, which we sort of do in Great uh, Mouse Detective more than yes. we do in, in this movie. Right. And if we framed it that way from the start and how they accept cases and they try to help people, and I remember this one case and blah, blah, blah. And I got that. it. No. What if, instead of the rescuers, Penny was saved by Basil and Dawson, and we just combined the two, and we just called it the Great Mouse Detective and the Swamp Caper or something? Yeah, yeah, that could work. Because I feel like they're more entertaining than Bernard and Bianca are anyway. And we'll see when we actually discuss Rescuers Down Under, but from what I remember of it, uh, and it's not a movie I've watched you know, recently, probably 10 years ago, was probably the last time I watched it. Rescuers Down Under just does everything that Rescuers does, but better. Right. Like, we got a big bird that flies us. Don't worry, he's way more entertaining in the second one. <laughs> yep. Uh, we've got... Uh, a villain that's a, actually scary, but also kind of an idiot, so you can laugh at him sometimes, too. Right. Uh, a little boy who, I mean, he's not the most compelling part of the movie, but he's also not, you know, actively annoying, and he keeps his clothes on the whole time, so that <laughs> makes him better than Penny. Right, and I think he's meant to be, like, ten, whereas Penny is meant to be, like, six or whatever, so, like, she's, yeah. he can do more, like, he has his own character, he tries to go out and save stuff, whereas Penny is just locked up, basically, and needs to escape, um, so he's more of a character on his own, uh, and it's a fun, more fun setting. Like, we don't use the swamp setting in Rescuers for hardly anything. But you definitely feel like Rescuers Down Under is in Australia. Yeah. Which part of that is from, uh, and I don't remember his name since I haven't watched it in 10 years, but from their, like, guide when they get there that works with them the whole time. Is his name Jake? His name is Jake. His Jake. Right. All right, good. I did remember that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, like, he helps it to feel more Australian, right. too. And then you see some of the creatures along the way. Right, but Rescuers 1 uh, is at the bottom of both our lists. <laughs> it is bad. It's not the worst of the worst, but it is bad. Right, and that was followed by Fox and the Hound. Um, Which is also bad. Yeah, it's not great. They had good intentions, but it's it's just, it's you know, parts of it are really boring. Parts of it, we'd like Bambi age everybody up, and then, you know, we kind of lose track, and we spend a lot of, more of the film with, like, Fox having, Fox copper having a love story in the forest at the end which isn't really all that necessary and then we Dev todd right that's todd you're right copper's the dog you're right fox is what i called him the first time so yeah uh, <laughs> copper's love story is like learning to be a hunting dog and pleasing uh, yeah grandpa joe right <laughs> whatever which grandpa joe is a character that wouldn't be in this movie if we made it today we're like ha 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 he says mean thing to mean things to women like we, we would need to we work around that. that yeah we're like i mean yeah he's supposed to be a bad guy but like it's played for humor that he says mean things right. to women and not like wow he's awful he could like, still be a like goofy old codger character without having that so much when you know i'm sure in 2025 we'll be remaking a live action fox and the hound and uh be casting yeah. danny devito as 
Grandpa Joe or whatever his name is. Uh, I had a live action thought that I meant to share when we were doing Jungle Book, but we can just do it when we circle back to Jungle Book to talk about how great it is when we do it at the end. So. Sure. Well, let's finish up the rest of this. What was after that? Was that Black Cauldron Black, next? Black Cauldron is next. Black Cauldron was like fascinating, but not great is how I would end with it. It's like, this is so cool that they did something different and I am bored and don't want to finish watching it. <laughs> And it uh, sort of benefits from how boring the previous two movies True. were. Yeah, uh, where like this is totally different, and I'm not familiar with it at all because you know, <laughs> as we learned in that episode, I didn't actually watch it the first time. Right. I just pretended that I did when I slept through everything. Right. Where it was just like we gotta we gotta do whatever it is we gotta do, and I fell asleep as they were doing whatever it was they had to do. It was like, oh well, I guess that ended well. well they did it all did right. It. <laughs> Good, great, great movie. Uh, but it's fun. It's it's interesting to watch Disney try something different. It wasn't profitable, right. and they didn't try to do anything different uh, for a long time sure after didn't. that. <laughs> and I kind of wish that they would now. But uh, I mean, it's 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 a fun movie. It's a good movie. Uh, I would probably be more interested in watching it again than most of the ones uh, in this set of ten. Sure. Yeah. I think my problem with Black Cauldron is like I often describe things i like as really cool black cauldron is really cool but cool and good are not the same thing because i would not call it a good film it's a cool film you should check it out but you won't necessarily enjoy it and you won't like you know it won't be winning any awards or anything it's an important distinction that's very true and it doesn't do well for our rubric since it doesn't feel like a disney movie and it doesn't have you know it has music in it but it doesn't have like Disney sing-along uh, music, and as you pointed out after we finished recording, right. uh, there's a bard character who doesn't actually sing. Doesn't in the play movie. a single fucking song. <laughs> then you have the whole character of uh, Girdle or Gurky or Gherkin or Jerkin it. I don't know his actual name, but he's like uh, he's like an Ewok sort of thing that sort of makes like a Jar Jar Binks sort of noise, and he's just sort of like Gollum, but not well done and ugh. and maybe he's better in the source material but he sort of feels like maybe we this is like the only part of the movie that we disneyed up and so we took uh, what's probably like a dark character and made him into just annoying uh where like maybe he's supposed to be cutesy but he is not he's got a weird mustache uh he's just he's just terrible it was just terrible uh, talking about uh, Gherkin, Glurkin, Gooky, uh, Jerkin it, whatever his name is. Gurgi. Okay, Gurgi. Pretty much obnoxious from start to finish, and then he sacrifices himself, and you're supposed to feel bad. Tarbin here <laughs> takes care of uh, a little pig that looks exactly like Wilbur from Charlotte's Web. Yeah. Named uh, Herwig? Hinwin. That's you oh, not being well, able shit. to read your notes. I got no, the pig no, name. No, definitely, that's a G. Herwig. Hinwig. <laughs> Her wig looks like Wilbur, special pig. <laughs> it is. It's some pig right there. Right. And I guess we have established that magic is a thing by the opening uh, segment with the, you know, saying that, you know, the cauldron's right. a horcrux or whatever. But it's not clear that Tarbin, Tarwin, Taurin, Tolurae is aware of magic. and But he must be at some level because when he does find out the pig can do stuff, he doesn't go like, holy fuck, what do you mean this pig has powers? He's just like, oh, wow, you can do that? I didn't even know you could do that. It's like learning the pig could like go get the paper for you and bring it back. Like, oh, wow, really? That's really cool. Like someone who's trained their dog to go get him a beer. Like. 
Right. Which is cool, I guess, but it's not like, oh my god, how did you do that? <laughs> I guess we should explain the pig magic a little bit. Like, he looks into seemingly any body of water, and like, I thought the pig would see the prophecy, which how helpful would that be? But like, I guess, I guess he just like broadcasts the prophecy to yeah. the people around or whatever. So. Yeah. Pig has powers, water prophecy, horn king searching for black cauldron, hide herwin, nope, henwin. At Hidden Cottage at the edge of the Forbidden Forest, which is the most cliched thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> right. That, that that wasn't me, like, coming up with new words for what they said. No, like, that was the that dialogue. That was literally, hide him at the Hidden Cottage at the end of, at the edge of the Forbidden Forest. Like, so is that, that's where we're trying to take Henwin to? Is this yes, that's, generic that's location? Plan. Like, Okay, because he gets, like, three steps out the door and loses him because he's an idiot. But right. And I feel like that's Him, where her. I don't know the gender of this pig. Her. I might it's have a, just gotten that wrong. Pig. It's sow. Okay. Uh, what, do you have to have babies to be a sow? I don't know how that works. Uh, Is it like like not all cows are heifers, right? You have to have. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know who aren't two farm boys? These two. <laughs> yeah, they're cows. Literally like two hundred yards from my house, but uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, no, I was going to say at Castle oh, yeah. Greyskull now. Not yet. Uh, Oh yeah, when we and we when, talked about condensing these these books down to make this movie, I think that the way that that's most apparent is the way that we make uh, Tar Tarball a uh, it's just Tyrone. such a moron. Like he doesn't Shit, get Tyrone, to do, get it yeah, together. Yeah, Tyrone doesn't get to do anything that doesn't suck because we cut all those parts out of the book. Or right. Out of, to make <laughs> we just get to see so, him like, we bumble just get fucking to see around. <laughs> So don't lose that pig. Whatever you do, he's gone. Don't get lost in the woods. I'm an idiot. Um, and then Great Mouse Detective will be the last one out of the bunch, provided I didn't forget any. No, no, that's right. Great Mouse Detective. Uh, Which is great for Vincent Price. Yep. Excellent. You get uh, some, like, steampunk elements uh, and some of the, like, contraptions. Mm-hmm. The toy maker kind of stuff. Uh, the toy maker, yeah. like, aesthetic to everything is a lot of fun. That's fun. Uh, we do the Mouse Society better in this one than in the Rescuers. It's true. We sort of set that up. We see the stories are sort of happening parallel, where Basil and Big Bat, or not Basil, what's his name? <laughs> not Basil. Uh, the Watch Sherlock and Dawson. No, <laughs> Dawson. That's you what I'm said. To think of. Big Basil. So <laughs> I, I assume you mean confused. Sherlock. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean uh, Dawson and Watson. Right. Uh, both show up at the same time. Right. They're going really to the same place because yeah. Basil's That's address is just below mm-hmm. uh, Sherlock's. Right. And I feel like it's a really uh, snappy film. Like it, it doesn't waste any time. It's like action beat, action beat, action beat. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and, you know, I don't know what the runtime on the film is, but I feel like it's shorter than you know Robin Hood and like Fox and the Hound were, and you know without any real dull moments in the middle. So it's just like a fun adventure, and then you're done, you know. Yeah, um, it's probably it has uh, you know the Vincent Price song at the end that's really good, but other than that, it does. I don't know that it has any real like Disney feeling songs in it or anything. So Music- that's probably I mean, heard it's over. Right, the only real songs are the Vincent Price ones, which are great, but. I don't know. I think World's Greatest Criminal Mind counts. Yeah. Yeah, we keep we kept calling it Too Radigan in the episode, but the title of the song is The World's Greatest Criminal Mind. Oh, well. Mm. That changes everything. But it's, you know, it's what will be redone in, you know, 10 years when we do Beauty and the Beast, 5 years maybe, yeah. but with Gaston. It's it's, you know, it's a real celebratory heel song, which is pretty great. 
anyway, there's another song uh, to prove ownership. John swindles the Gogans, wants Dragon, they want Pete. <laughs> to recap, John is Terminus, the bad guy. Yeah, Honest John. Okay. Maurice. I've been calling the other guy Maurice. You had no problem with that. I don't remember what his name is. Okay, fine. Mickey Rooney. The dad. Lampy. That's what it was. Lampy? I wrote it down. That's not a name. No, that's his fucking name. The guy that lives in a lighthouse is named Lampy. Lampy. Yep. I'm aware. Lampy, the lighthouse. Mm. Crazy old Maurice. Anything for a laugh. Right. We see Elliot again at this point, right? Are we in the cave? I don't remember. Uh, where they this want happens. Pete. Quit paying attention. I guess Elliot did something good. <laughs> right. Elliot. Elliot found Paul. <laughs> did he? Nor, nor doesn't believe him. Gets mopey. I'm way ahead. <laughs> I think you are. Yeah, because that's a well. Go ahead with what actually happened, and we'll get. Well, my notes are not super helpful at this see, point. We I'm both assuming gave up at this I'm point. directed. Watch at the Nora. end of the movie yourself. We we don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm directing this question at Nora because what I wrote was, "Bitch, how have you not realized this is a real dragon yet? You just saw him wreck the hillbilly boat." To see, I didn't see that because that's the. I guess he did a thing while I wasn't paying attention. So now that we have discussed each of the ten movies and sort of recap those and maybe stuck in some little clips uh, from each episode, if there's anything worth sticking in there. Oh, we'll stick it. <laughs> if there's anything worth sticking in there is is a movie I saw once. <laughs> anyway, uh, what we did last time, and I suppose what we'll do again this time, is sort of track the best song from each of the ten movies. Right. The best villain, uh, protagonist, all those things, rank those things, and then finally give our... Uh, rankings overall for these 10 movies. I was going to say, uh, musically, I was wondering, I didn't bother to go through these individually, but I was thinking, um, discussing like musical shifts uh, throughout the films is a, a thing we discussed. Because typically, um, at least all the songs in the first 10 films were all like classical, orchestral kind of stuff. We didn't really shift, nothing really got poppy until like the very end of those films. And uh, I feel like that we've definitely shifted with these 10 films, because there's a lot of pop stuff. There's a lot of celebrities involved. There's a lot of... True. Um, you know, by the time we get to, like, Rescuers, there's, like, weird, like, I don't know, like, mopey, like, elevator music kind of stuff, which isn't really what we were getting. It's not really orchestral in nature. Um, and I thought it also might be harder to play best song for all these films, because a lot of them may only have, like, one good song, or some of them have no songs, so... That is true. I guess the only one in the... F- in the first ten that doesn't have the full like orchestral uh setup for all of its songs would be Lady and the Tramp. Um Yeah, they started to the... get a little jazzier there. Right. Boom boom roof. Right. Boom boom and I wanted to talk about that song in particular because I heard it on the radio the other day. What? Uh yeah. Radio Disney. <laughs> because, no. Uh so Garth Brooks has his own station on the uh on the satellite radio where they play mostly his stuff, but they also play uh, songs that he likes uh, and the songs that he likes really weird uh, off the wall stuff, yeah. like from a lot of genres, which is good for him for having a lot of interest musically, but some of it is just really out there. Like he plays a lot of Lady Gaga, which is cool. Like everybody likes Lady Gaga. Sure. He was playing Dick in the Box the other day. <laughs> it was just like, all right, well, uh, no, why? Uh, but anyway, he was playing, um, 
he played uh he's a tramp uh but it was a bet midler cover of it <laughs> okay <laughs> but i was just like flipping through the dial like i do uh, when i get in the car I just sort of spin the dial on the satellite eh, what's this song what's this song you know the songs come up on the dash so i just use that i don't even listen right, I just, just read, read that real quick i don't right nope um, that don't hit <laughs> right exactly uh but so it came on and i was like what <laughs> why <laughs> why is this a thing and then i just uh I stayed around and listened to the rest of it. So. But then he didn't mention that song in particular. He just talked about how great Bette Midler was. And it's just like, okay, but she probably has other songs that people like better maybe, than... Maybe he doesn't know that's from Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> maybe he thinks it's original. I don't anyway, know. Anyway, so 101 Dalmatians has some jazzy stuff yeah, going on. Which like all jazzy. Because, uh, right. And if we're playing best song, I mean, you gotta go Cruella DeVille, right? Like, <laughs> Right, and... Peter is that his name? Manita and Peter? No, no, <laughs> it's not What's Peter. <laughs> the adult, not the I, not the dogs, right. the humans. Is it not Peter? I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> I will look it anyway, up. Anyway, he's a songwriter, and so he uh, bangs around on his piano and tries to come up with songs. Of course, yes, that's what songwriters do. <laughs> I'm Seeing if I was right. I think I was. Why did it bring up the live action movie? <laughs> yeah, it did that to me too, damn it. <laughs> Stupid. Roger. Yeah. Roger. I Peter. was thinking, not Peter. <laughs> Fine then. Roger is a songwriter. Here's the thing. So it he... doesn't fucking matter because neither of those characters <laughs> are important. Well, it. but then from the intro of the movie, you think they're going to be important because like... Uh, we set it up where like Pongo's got to find a mate for his master or not his master because they view their humans as pets which is kind of cute but then like we just yep we found one and it was great right but anyway uh he writes songs and he they're jazzy and i don't know where i was originally going with this because we got sidetracked <laughs> i don't think you were going anywhere best song <laughs> gorilla deville yes agreed because there's the only other option is dalmatian plantation which no one gives right. a shit about uh, yeah. so the answer is gorilla deville fine sword right. and stone i think there is i think there is a song when they're in the water but uh <laughs> right whatever you're in last place and go fuck yourself right so like we we had uh, like options for the first 10 films going through these 10 films eh, like you're kind of just stuck now this one this next one's hard jungle jungle book is hard because there's sure. there's a lot of good songs in the movie uh what are you gonna eh, go with here it's between like two <laughs> It's either you surely are you picking something? Let's go to fetch the water. <laughs> right, you're either picking bare necessities or uh, uh, I want to be like you. Right, like those are the big hits. You're not picking where your friends. No, that's pretty no. annoying. No, no, it's awful. <laughs> right, I think I love them both, but I think I do have to go bare necessities. How could you not? Yeah, me too. It's a song I'd whistle and hum all year round. Well, I guess it's not a seasonal movie, but it's a sure. song I whistle and hum no matter how recently I've watched the movie. It, it's a great song. Sticks in your head. Right. It sounds a good. A timeless classic good. in an era when they don't have a lot of those, you know? Then I think about the, like, NES version of that song. Right. I was yeah. going to say, we included that in that episode. And um. Smash Mouth singing it, too, I believe we included. <laughs> right. Uh, then there's the Aristocats. Right. Um, there's, there's a, I mean, all the Phil Harris songs are good, but I, I mean, everybody wants to be a cat, I think has to be number one. Yeah. But I, I would sh- like I... to give a little shit out, shout, shit out, <laughs> a little <laughs> shout out to what the Abraham DeLacy. Giuseppe Casey. Casey. Yeah. Right. I wrote that one down They're first. And then like, 
couldn't bring myself to say that was actually better than Everybody Wants a Cat, even though, I mean, I really like that song, and Everybody Wants a Cat does have the, you know, some of the racism and uh, all does. that in it. But it is definitely the song <laughs> this, that people this, think about from this movie. The CD version I have has the racism edited out, so oh, there's that. Well, that's nice. <laughs> there's no uh, Hong Kong. Fortune, yeah, fortune yeah. cookie always wrong. What, however the shit goes. <laughs> I think it's just a musical interlude there yeah let's try to remember the racist rhyme <laughs> then uh i don't know that it's all the way to well, ching chong know. ching chong egg foo young it wasn't that <laughs> it might have been uh but it also in that same song it has the part where it slows down and uh yeah mama cat <laughs> sings along not Mama Cass. That Duchess. would be very different. Duchess. Duchess sings along with them and uh, sort of, you know, she's becoming hip and letting loose Right. Or whatever. So the song accomplishes something too, plot-wise, and it's, you know, real catchy. This is a movie I've seen a million times, watched when we were little or whatever, and still Mama, Mama Cat. Cat. <laughs> Everybody's getting fat except Mama Cat. You don't know that song? What's next? Robin Hood? Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. Yeah. Right. So nearly, you know, uh, all of our all the good songs in that movie are either Phil Harris or their uh, Roger Miller, who we discussed a lot in that episode. Um, so, like again, we're not at all trying to do classical. We're doing folksy or like right. jazzy kind of stuff the whole way through. Well, I mean, one of the best songs in that movie was not written by him though. the The Prince John song is not him. Um, right, but Phil Harris sings it. Oh well, yes, that is true. Uh, but I kind of went off the board for this one. I mean, I did stick with Roger Miller, of course, but I didn't pick, uh, Oodlali. Right. I think I might be the same as you on this one. I was going to say not in Nottingham. Yeah, me too. Uh, A, because it is probably one that I end up humming to myself more often since I'm very mopey. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) I just go back and forth from bare necessities and not in Nottingham. (laughs) Those are the, the emotional spectrum. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, both ends of the of the poles there. Both poles of shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the pole, but the end of the pole. No, I was thinking like like magnetic poles. Okay. Uh, either way, uh, but it's it it uh, does what Roger Miller does best when he does his ballads of because he normally is goofy. You feel more sad when he does sad songs, right? And sort of gets to a larger truth there of. Uh, you know, every town has its ups and downs, and sometimes ups uh, upnumber the downs, but not in Nottingham. Like, there are some right. places where it just sucks. Um, yeah. Welcome to poor town. Right. And so, for the people in Nottingham, or not people, because they're all animals, but for the animals of Nottingham, right. uh, nothing, nothing looks up for them. Right. And it's just musically really good, but also, you know... Most everything except the terrible love song in the forest musically in that film is a lot of fun. And in the forest, it's time for nighttime date night. And this mm. is, of course, the scene Jake would have fast forwarded. No, I, I wrote, I often stopped the movie at this oh, point. I stopped it. Okay. <laughs> it's I like just that's wrote really all you need. Nighttime date time, Jake, fast forward. Yeah. I often stop the movie because duh, love song. And this is a really lame <laughs> really love song. Is. I wrote, Love's goes, Love goes on and on, but the lyrics do not. Because it is like. <laughs> That's true. They just repeat the same line twice, or same lines. Some of the lines are weird, too. Like, I wrote, you were once a child at play, now you're all grown up inside of me. What the fuck is going on with these lyrics? Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, then next was Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Little Black Rain Cloud. 
Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's hard to pick one Winnie the Pooh song over the others because they're all like the same kind of like catchy and short and just like almost like lullaby kind of uh, like nature to them. Uh, the only one that's different from that is Heffalumps and Woozles, which is what I was going to pick. So, nope, uh, Little Black Rain Cloud for me, and then probably the Up Down Touch the Ground, but mostly Little Black Rain Cloud. And then next is with... Rescuers. Right. Now, here we start to hit a wall here because, like, <laughs> what's the song in Rescuers? Um... <laughs> uh, there's, like, a super mellowed out song when they're, like, flying down to the bio, bayou uh, that's just kind of there, but it is the mm. least bad option. I was going to go R-E-S-C-U. Oh, yeah. No, that's the right Rescue answer. That is the best society. song. Right. That little jingle that doesn't even have. Right. Which is intentionally sung badly by some characters. Like, yeah. Right. But that is the best song in the movie. You're right. I forgot about that. I even wrote it down on my paper and still forgot about it. <laughs> Everything else is just kind of a downer. Um, then, then Fox and the Hound, where we tried to recapture the Roger Miller magic by bringing in Jim Stafford but uh eh. yeah. <laughs> it's like we tried to recapture the razor ramon magic by bringing in fake razor ramon <laughs> like it's not really gonna cut it speaking of i uh, learned after doing not at all speaking of but anyway i learned after <laughs> here's the thing i'm going to talk about now is what i actually right. mean i learned after we recorded the robin hood episode that roger miller actually uh, did all the songs and music for a musical that uh, was popular oh. in the 80s uh, called Big River, uh, which is an adaptation of Huck Finn. Uh, oh. I've heard like one of the songs from it, which is actually pretty good, called River in the Rain. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, he did all the songs for this despite uh, never reading the book. Uh, <laughs> so nice. He all these songs for Jim and Huck and all the other characters to sing, but uh, didn't read didn't, the book. Didn't do any research. <laughs> I mean, maybe they told him, like, here's the script of the play or whatever. Right. But uh, anyway, the best song from Fox and the Hound for me was Lack of Education. But when we watched it, you said the best song was... Dude, I don't remember it all. <laughs> best of Friends. Oh, that yeah. The, that the when you're the best of friends. Yeah, yeah I remember that now. Fat, <laughs> fat bird sings. <laughs> the owl. Mama, mama bird. <laughs> yeah. There's Mama Cat and Mama Bird. Her name is Big Mama. It's not even hard to remember. It's true, right. Um, yeah, then the fat bird sings it. Uh, so then Black Cauldron doesn't have any sing-alongs or any songs at all, really. And then that leaves Mouse Detective, where I right, went which, with uh, I mean, Goodbye, gotta be... So Long. Really? You went with that over yeah. World's Greatest Criminal Mind? But yeah, I went with that one just because it... I. I mean, they both are great, and they both contribute to who he is or whatever, but I just think it's so great and so over the top of a villain to, you know, right. who's already chosen. I couldn't decide which way to kill you, so I, you know, decided to use all of them, and then, don't worry, I have a song recorded for this moment, too. Like it's <laughs> Right. But, but I'm still, I wrote and recorded myself. <laughs> but I'm still a villain, so I can't actually stay and watch you die, so I'll be leaving, but uh, you'll be, you know, you can't hear this song live, right. but I've already it's... <laughs> recorded it. It's a real, like, best of villain, like, tropes. Like, hit all the ones we can. Have you seen um, the uh, the Egghead episodes from uh, not Live Action recently. Batman? Like, they're fantastic. Just Vincent Price and they shoehorn as many, like, egg puns egg, along the right. way. Like, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's upsetting that I'm not. Uh, that was something I did a lot of during my six weeks off for uh, paternity leave. Was I watched a lot of live action Batman? Really? They show that? Yeah, they show that late at night. At least on the weekends, might have been when I was watching it on like <laughs> IFC or whatever. So nice. Mm-hmm. It was a good run, but now I'm working again. <laughs> so that was best song. Do we want to do? Uh, we don't certain. We don't really have to go through film by film, but uh, maybe a real quick of best best and slash worst protagonist and best slash worst villain throughout that we've seen yeah had a hard time uh, coming up with a best protagonist um right who do you feel for the most right um, i mean and early some on them... the first 10 episodes i think we both went with uh cinderella and cinderella. then also mentioned lady from lady and the tramp yeah, we had the same honorable uh, mention too uh because lady right uh is a, a three-dimensional female character although you know a dog and not a human but still right she uh you know exists separate from the men in the story and right. is able to do things on her own where most your female Disney characters uh, do not operate that way. But, uh, right. but looking at, you know, these films here, a lot of our protagonists are like annoying or dumbasses, like, or, or they're, you know, if they're not annoying or dumbasses, they're, they're not the most interesting character in their story either. Like, right. So Mowgli is not annoying necessarily, but everyone around him has such a big personality and he's just kind of there. Yeah. And he's kind of like a shithead kid of like, you know, he I'm is, not going to do what you're tell- going to tell me, dad, you know, but he's a million times better than Arthur or Penny or, you know, right. Yeah. There's a few shithead kids in this. Right. Uh, the Aristocats. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the pro- who's the protagonist in the Aristocats? Like, those three kids, I yeah, guess, I guess. and, and I'd, Duchess? I'd say them like, more so than Duchess. But they're overshadowed by the other characters in the, in the story, too. Like, Right. Um, so I I went with Winnie. Um, yeah. I want to jump to the end of this conversation. I went with Winnie the Pooh as the sure. most likable uh, main character. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to keep looking. I'm just wondering if something's going to jump out at me. Because, like, Ber- Bernard and... Bianca, I guess, are the uh, like titular main characters in that one, and right. they're likable enough. Yeah, uh, you got Bernard as kind of an everyman who's afraid to be on the trip, and you know, but is actually kind and helpful, and that's why Bianca picked him over the other guys that wanted to go. But. Right, but I think part of Bernard's appeal is that he's kind of a boring guy you wouldn't notice in a crowd, like, which makes him right. That's true. Yeah, you know, it not you know hard to stand out as a protagonist um right i mean todd and copper nothing really special about them either their story is kind of you know heart-wrenching a little bit uh it yeah. doesn't have a like great ending to it you know because <laughs> they don't really right like... it's not like they overcome and stay yeah. friends like it no. ends up with a like keep to your own kind right sort of deal. So that hurts them uh maybe a great mouse detective i care about those characters a lot but it's harder because we're kind of splitting the like sympathy there because like dawson is kind of our main protagonist but then we also you know we worry about olivia the you know the child we're trying to save but she's not really the protagonist because we're not really focused on her you know so right i mean i would say that the protagonist is is uh basil really you think so because we start out with dawson right i mean we see things through dawson's point of view but i don't i mean the story is, he is more about the narrator Basil, like, than, and Basil's carrying the story. Right, he's a narrator who's who's there and he's right. telling about what happened. But he's, I mean, he's very much a sidekick. Like, yeah, well, the sidekick can be our protagonist if you know. I guess if it's true. all from his point of view. And sort of the genius of uh, the Sherlock stories is they, I right. think, in the novels or the stories are, are told from 
from Watson's point of view. And the way that that works is you establish Watson as a pretty smart character. And then when there's things he can't figure out, he makes Sherlock look that much smarter because he'll ask the like questions and give uh, Sherlock a chance to show off, you know, elementary, which happens less, less in the, uh, in the BBC show where like Watson is just annoyed with Sherlock most of the time and like right. trying to tell him how rude yeah. he is and how you don't need to act that way, which is, is fun. And it, you know, adds to the comedy of the show or whatever. But like, I think they're playing off your expectations of that. Watson is kind of in awe of Sherlock the whole time. Right. Have you watched the later seasons of that show or did you kind of fall off in the middle? No, I, I watched them all. Okay. Cause I, I recently saw like, I don't know if it was season three or four, but it was one I hadn't seen. And it's like, Okay, we pretty much just made it to the part where like Sherlock has superpowers at this point. <laughs> that is true. Like when they first discovered that, they're show, still doing one more, aren't they? I think do, they're doing one more. I think they are. Yeah, yeah. But like when I first discovered that show, it was like, oh man, this is so cool. And then after like twelve hour long movies of it, basically, it's like, okay, this is about enough of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I guess Winnie the Pooh is our most likable protagonist. He's kind of a dumb oaf, but, you know, he's really relatable in that way. Um, Definitely. I mean, that's why there's a million poo memes on the uh, internet. Yeah, that's true. There should definitely be like a hundred acre wood Twitter. Like there's bikini bottom Twitter, you know. We could have the same, like all the SpongeBob memes. Okay, these are things. <laughs> Don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> I assume the audience knows what you're talking uh, they, about. They do. Audience. You know when you go on Reddit and there's all the SpongeBob memes? Yeah. I don't know what that is. You've... I mean, I have heard of Reddit, but I don't know. People that are younger than me listening, go make this happen on the internet and make <laughs> make Winnie the Pooh the next big meme thing. I'm too old. I don't know how. Uh, so Winnie's our best protagonist. Who yeah, do we I think is so. our worst? Uh, I mean, we kind of just shat on most of them, so... <laughs> Yeah, Do we like Robin Hood? We didn't talk about him at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like Robin Hood. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like him more than Winnie, but I like sure, Robin Hood. Yeah. Okay, he's second place then. <laughs> um. Mm, yeah, I'm okay with that. As far as worse, so I don't know. Dumb fuck from Black Cauldron's pretty bad. But uh, no, he can't he, be worth worse than Arthur though. Arthur's got to be the worst, right? Dumb. I well, what we said it, in recording the Black Cauldron episode was that probably we were assuming the best, having not read the books, right. that they probably took out all the parts where he did what he was supposed to do be, for time's sake or whatever, and right. just made him look like a dumbass to keep the story moving, right? Um, and so we were kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt on that one, where they were trying to do a new thing. Sure, but, uh, but there's no excuse for what they did to Arthur. So both characters, I think, we don't have any reason to care about them like they don't have any redeeming qualities they're just like little like annoying teenagers that are in they're in shitty situations so like i think based on that they think that's enough for us to latch on to them but like they don't have a, like a re- redeeming quality where it's like oh he's brave or oh he wants you know to become a strong warrior and stuff and it's like we, we need to, or he you know lost his parents and he needs to you know, get revenge or, you know, confront this or any of that kind of stuff. It's just just dumb orphans being dumb. And part of the problem with Arthur is uh, the, the Patton Oswald thing about Star Wars. Of right. Like, here's this guy. He's the great one of the great heroes of all time. The guy that we base all other heroes or most other heroes off of uh, after he came into existence. Would you like to see him as a little kid? Right. Like, Let's, that's our hour and a half of this movie is just he's just an eight year old. Like, right. We could have made a movie about the adventures of the Knights of the Round Table and had them, you know, out doing fun things and, uh, you know, 
I mean, we probably wouldn't Questing. do like Guinevere and Lancelot getting together behind Arthur's back. We probably wouldn't do that. In a probably Disney not. Movie. But we could do some of the quests. Yeah, where they you know come against. Uh, we could have just saved Madame Mim and made her you know made the whole like group fight against her and her army or something. Right, and we even if we uh, wanted to keep it like you know kid centric like we could have been all of these knights as kids and maybe they formed the knights of the round table yeah, or something that's cute yeah that like work. a medieval orphanage like they all uh band <laughs> you together <made> less cute. <laughs> they all band together and they go on quests and he gets the sword and he becomes king and they become his knights nice and you could keep madame mim as the villain or you know sir Kay could be really evil and he could betray them or something i don't know but we don't do any of that, and so he's a terrible protagonist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's awful. I mean, Penny's annoying. I don't know if she counts since, like, um, really Bernard and Bianca, I suppose, are really more the, the main characters there. Right. Uh, yeah. So, Arthur it is. And now... For worst. And now, other side of the corn. Let's talk corn. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what's, what's on the other side of the corn? I don't know. Butter, maybe. <laughs> the cob. The cob is on the other side. Others. Do you find the corn corn tastes better on the cob than off? I do. I find it I way more too. enjoyable. We mostly it's have juicier. It's we mostly do cream corn in this household. I don't know if you oh, like that. No. You don't like that. Okay. Oh, no. I've, I've never had it. I don't know. They sell like a frozen block of cream corn in like wrapped up like a sausage, you know? <laughs> Uh, so we yeah. buy those and you cook it in a skillet and it's good. Other side of the coin is what I meant to say. <laughs> the villains. <laughs> Let's talk about the villains of these 10 films. Um, who's our best? Who's our worst? There are some good ones. The best villain has to be Shere Khan. Yeah. I don't see anything else touching that. I gave him a five out of five. We rank villains as yeah, one of our too. categories. He was a five out of five villain. They build him up throughout the whole film before he ever appears on screen. Everyone else is afraid of him. The other villains or the other heel characters are afraid of him. Like, he is the bad guy. And he's not even and... the only bad guy. And that movie also has other good right. bad guys to go with him, like Ka and uh, King Louis as well, you know. So it's mm-hmm. in addition to, oh, holy shit, this guy's scary. It's like, and also, well, there's all these other scary things that could kill me. We know? we experiment with a rogues gallery in a few of these movies. We also have that in Robin Hood, which is, which is nice because you sort of break up all the villain traits among three characters instead of among uh, just the one. Like, you have Prince John, who's just supposed to be, he's the chicken shit right. heel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the big baby. Um, yeah, sucking his thumb sir. in a mud pit. Right. Sir Hiss is sort of pulling the strings. He's kind of conniving. Yeah. Yeah, he's sort of the J.J. Dillon. Uh, <laughs> okay, he's, sure. He's sort of his, his manager. J.J. is a terrible manager. I don't know why I <laughs> yeah, think you... I mean, he's not terrible, but like he's the least interesting manager of all time. Right. Uh, but anyway, and then uh, you've got the sheriff actually being uh out there getting the most heat on himself yeah right? he's he's getting over uh in that one scene at the beginning where he uh does uh, i guess there's right. a rule of three on like cruel things that he does right uh, he robs from children and a crippled man and then an old blind man all in the same scene right. and raises taxes and yeah, he's he's you know the he gets all he never looks silly uh no. throughout the whole movie or for most of the movie prince john looks silly all the time <laughs> Right, and so by splitting out or splitting up the uh, sort of the different heel 
or bad guy traits among those three guys, uh, you can sort of keep the story going that way uh, instead of having one character have to do all those things. And you, yeah, and you sort of get to check all of the villain boxes for your movie at the same time, like right? Because there are times where Cruella is a really good villain, and if we had treated her more like Shere Khan and let her just be evil and scary the whole time. Then, you know, if we protected her more that way by giving uh, Jasper and Horace more to do and less interactions with her since they make her look, you know, right. they drag her into stupid town. Right. With her, yes. With them. That's something that happens uh, when we have the henchman characters, I feel, because I feel like uh, the Horned King from Black Cauldron got dragged into stupid town a few times, too, which is <laughs> unfortunate did, yeah. because he looks like uh, in terms of appearance, he's a five out of five villain in terms of him accomplishing shit like he's not that great because he doesn't do anything well i mean he gets what he wants he gets oh he doesn't get the cauldron never mind no (laughs) but he he does bring back his like undead army that he wanted to do briefly but yeah um i i tell a lie though i i said a minute ago i don't think i had any other five out of five villains i did and we're forgetting a big one professor fucking radigan is an absolute badass villain i think he does come out underneath Shere Khan uh just because Shere Khan is more intimidating and everything but Radigan himself is you know we talked about how much we love Vincent Price and how much he pours into that performance and then also you know Radigan transforms into this monster by the end of the movie as well and so you know we 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 gushed a lot about him and uh the great mouse detective episode which you guys can check out we can't because I haven't put it out yet but um (laughs) The point is, he's great. <laughs> I also gave him a, a five. The only other villain I gave a five to, I did give one other four and a half. Uh, not from this set, of course. Good God. Not from this set. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but Captain Hook also got a four and a half, uh, which may be higher than Lady Tremaine. Let me go look and see <laughs> if that's a real thing. I know that'll not be popular with you, but uh, it is higher than Lady Tremaine. And I think my reasoning on that, and this is not relevant to what we're discussing now, but I think my reasoning on that was he gets way more to do than Lady Tremaine does. She's sort of... Uh, in the background, for the most part, doesn't get to say and do a whole lot. That is true. Either way, Radigan and Shere Khan are sort of two different uh, takes on what you need from a bad guy. Right. Like, Shere Khan is there to be threatening and evil and scary. Right. He's totally serious and the whole he movie. maintains that the whole time, where... Which is why the guy the guy that voiced Shere Khan didn't want to do the singing part, and they had to get someone else to do the, the little part where he does sing, because he said, no, we want this guy to be scary. He shouldn't be singing that that you know goes against what we're trying to do here right yeah and so eventually they got they just got someone else to sing for him right but then radigan radigan is should more absolutely be singing at any opportunity right. he's, he's more on the captain hook end of things right. of like completely in love with himself and in love with doing villainous shits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is awesome and fun and bowler hat guy will be in that uh in that vein later on you bring him up all the time do you think most of our audience even knows who the fuck that is or what movie he's from Uh, it depends on when they started watching disney movies. i guess so if they're our age they may not but it was not at a time when a lot of people were watching disney movies you know if they're half our age they definitely know him but you're right i bring up bring him up a lot because he's awesome he is awesome i'm not denying that Ursula is she sort of sort of walks the line between uh, those two as like super scary threat, but also really like self-involved yes. and like ridiculous. Uh, so she's, I think she and Radigan are the same type of villain. Yeah, I think she's more. She's not all the way to Radigan though. She's more on the 
con end of thing. Like she right. is goofy, but she's way more dangerous and therefore more on the con in end of things than than true. Her. Yeah, and and Radigan. I'd say Hades is similar to Radigan, just like yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, That's who we. I am here of. to play to the camera for this whole time, and then maybe I'll be scary at the end. Gar is probably more on the th- like. He's the the hyenas are the silly ones, and his like deadpan interactions with them are you know silly and interesting. Right. But like he, much like Sher Khan, maintains his like serious aura. Right. Uh, the whole time. Mm-hmm. Gaston would be more on the Radigan end. Yeah, definitely in love with himself and sings the same song. Basically, you know. <laughs> True. But yeah, so I'm glad we brought Professor Radigan to the light because he is, you know, not from a well-known movie. He's often overlooked, but he is an absolutely, you know, outstanding villain. And if you haven't seen Great Mouse Detective, and it, or if you haven't heard our episode on it, you should go do both of those things. But I think <laughs> Sher Khan does still edge him out on this one. I thought uh, while we were still on villains, do we want to do villains ready for a face turn again? Oh, yeah, we should. Um, hmm. I mean, King Louis, probably. Yeah. He's pretty close uh, I'd say to so. there. I, uh, yeah, uh, he, where he's singing and entertaining. Right. He could definitely have a make a big baby face save against Shere Khan or something at the end, you know? I don't know if his character would actually do that because he's in it for himself more than anything, but, you know. But you never know. He could make friends because he's singing and dancing or whatever. Right. Um, Ka, the way he is portrayed in the cartoon, uh, is pretty silly and, you know, could... He's at times very threatening and at times, you know, <laughs> he's got a knot in his tail. Right. Like that kind of ridiculousness. So maybe Ka, uh, like, although we already had Shere Khan no-sell his hypnotism powers, so maybe that wouldn't work. Right. Radigan, uh, perhaps. Yeah, I think if he didn't have the monster transformation at the end, then maybe. Uh, well, sure, but the best time to turn someone uh, <laughs> face is when they're hottest as a heel right that's true but i think you would probably need another heel in that story too and he's the only one that is true right so yeah looking at probably these other options i'm not sure who else really could maybe edgar from aristocats (laughs) could realize the error of his ways or something but i yeah i remember the other jungle book thing that i wanted to mention a long time ago Mm -hmm. Uh, which is how much uh i appreciate the live action jungle book uh the uh john favreau live action jungle book uh, and we mentioned it uh, in a previous episode, how much we enjoyed it. But thinking about how useless the other live action movies have been, right. like either, I mean, Cinderella's okay, but it doesn't, like, you don't remember that you saw no. it probably. Um, Beauty and the Beast is just so pointless. Like, right. why do we need to, if we're not going to change anything, if we're just going to do a almost shot for shot remake of the cartoon why what did right. what did we accomplish with that uh, like, like the only only parts of that movie i remember are uh josh gad as lefou and the guy that played bard as gaston like they were great you know and we did a, yeah. a little more with lefou than the first time around but that's i can't remember any other scene i don't remember beast doing anything i don't remember no. emma watson doing anything right and so jungle book is really the only one uh of the ones they've done so far and, and i haven't seen uh maleficent and I won't see Melissa, no, Melissa probably, it, which, although she's getting a sequel too for reasons. Right. But anyway, uh, but Jungle Book's really the only one where we, you know, we come up with a different story. We try to make it visually, uh, you know, impressive, which I saw that in IMAX and it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we changed the tone of some of the characters. Like Shere Khan is the same, of course. The elephants but, uh, are wildly Ka, different. Ka is different. Right. Ka is way more serious. I don't really care for Scarlett Johansson that much, but she's good as Ka. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed with uh, with King Louis, but you uh, didn't you didn't care for uh, Christopher Walken's version. Yeah, you know who I would have gotten for it. Hmm. Um, either I would have rather had uh, David Lee Roth <laughs> for King Louis. I think he'd do great at it. He does that other Louis Prima song anyway. Um, that is true. <laughs> I don't know how he would do acting. Well, no, but I think, uh, well, I think what they would actually do is do Steven Tyler instead, uh, who has more experience acting, but it wouldn't be as cool right. as David Lee Roth. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, anyway, that's how I would have done it. But anyway, the live-action Jungle Book is great. I have some hope for Lion King since they're using the same director, but, I mean, I fear it's going to be what they're doing with Beauty and the Beast or what they did with Beauty and the Beast right. by it's, making it. Surely it's just the same movie again. <laughs> I mean, it looks like they're trying to make it look cool the way they did Jungle Book, which makes sense since it's the same team, but mm, I don't know. We'll see. The cast is good, like with the the different voice actors. Yeah. You've got uh, Donald Glover, and you've got uh, John Oliver as Zazu. Yeah, I think that's pretty perfect casting. Beyonce. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, you know, she's not the worst part of Goldmember. Well, that's pretty tough. <laughs> to be the worst part of that movie <laughs> yeah, that is a race to the bottom <laughs> so moving on um so we've come up with a few bests here we've done our best song best protagonist and best villain uh do we want to run them against our be- the same three things from our uh previous best of episode i'm asking that as a question even though you suggested it to me a minute ago <laughs> right but uh, you know the people don't have to know that i'm a genius <laughs> I think they understand it without us, you know, just hammering it home all the time. Sure. So starting on best protagonist, um, we picked Winnie the Pooh and we're running him against uh, Cinderella. I don't think that's going to be a fair comparison. I'm pretty sure Cinderella's going to take that. <laughs> right. I mean, it's they're just totally different than each other. But, you right. know, Winnie makes you feel great just looking at him. Right. I don't know that Cinderella accomplishes that in the same way. But no. as a, you know character with a, a story arc and you know the, her morals fiber paying off right and i think uh, just probably is a better just by looking at that comparison shows where we were 10 years or 10 years ago, where we were in the first 10 films and where we are now storytelling wise like look at the best thing we could come up with back then and look at the best thing we picked out of this bunch is winnie the pooh like i think our storytelling chops are not there in the, you know the 60s and 70s and 80s as they were in the 40s and 50s i guess um and then best villain uh we landed on Sher khan um and the first time around i picked lady tremaine i don't remember did you do the same uh, i think i did too although technically i gave captain hook more points <laughs> but it looks like ladies what i wrote here no no that's that's for lady and lady and the tramp i see where i listed Oh, yeah, I put Tremaine, number one. I see now. So Shere Khan versus Lady Tremaine, that's a hell of a matchup. That is, that's tough. I think, uh, I mean, Lady Tremaine's uh, mostly subtle. Um, right. I mean, she's great at, at what she's doing, um, and it's a very effective character. She but... also doesn't have to lose in, like, a climax at the end, where Shere Khan does, and, you know, he gets scared yeah. off by fire. Which I think you do want to overcome your villain at some point. But, you know, Cinderella just kind of gets saved from the villain more so than anything else. 
Right. She could still be out there scheming to take her down even after the That's wedding true. in some way. But so could Shere Khan. And right, even more angry now that he's, you know, right. had to deal with the fire. I don't know, because I do, I do really like Lady Tremaine. That's a tough one. I'm going with Shere Khan just because they build up his, uh, you know, sort of aura, the whole um, movie, and then he is so great. You know, if we built him up that much, and then he's just kind of, it would right. you know, could have been a real letdown. But he is everything that they make him out to be. He gets yeah. to be a serious threat. That's um, true. And I think motivation-wise, he's probably a better villain, too, because Shere Khan is out for revenge because, you know, he hates man. Um you know he has a reason to and right she just wants yeah. what's best for her daughter and doesn't and like that she that... has to raise cinderella but is kind of just a shitty person being shitty more than anything uh mm. so yeah i think i gotta give it to Sher khan on that one too and then we're going best song uh we both agreed on uh or did, did we pick the best best song out of all these did we just talk about best per I, movie? I don't think that we did okay. i think we just uh did best per movie but i'm I, picking bare necessities, necessities for me. right okay so now we both agree um so we're running that against uh, my best song last time around. I picked uh, Bella Note from Lady and the Tramp, which uh, I, I can't in good conscience put over Bare Necessities. <laughs> like Bare Necessities has got to win that. Right. I ended up with uh, A Dream's Wish Your Heart Makes uh, for the first 10. And uh, I do really like that song and the way that it sort of encapsulates all of, of Disney-ness. Right. Uh, so... F- with that said, like it, that would be one reason to pick it over Bare Necessities. But Bare Necessities is so catchy and such right. a you know name a Disney song. Yeah, that's gonna be one of the first, if not the first one. Someone says it's gonna be in the first, you know, first two or three that they say. Um, so and probably long before they would ever say a dream is a wish your heart makes, even though it should be in the uh, when you wish upon a star category, in my opinion. But I'm gonna stick with. Uh, bare necessities locking it in so two out of the three there the villain and the song both went to the second set of 10 even though we agree yeah well they also that's a rough list they both went to the same movie out of that bunch which was that is far and away the the best one yeah and also the last one that uh you know walt disney worked on which i imagine helped it a lot (laughs) so yeah so this will probably be wrapping up our uh best of episode here i guess we could uh give a uh, just one final rundown of what are our, our 20 rankings. So in last place, in 20th place for me, I have Sword in the Stone with a score of 10 out of 30. Right, and I have Dumbo with a score of 6. In 19th place, I have Sword of the Stone with a score of 7 out of 30. In 19th place, I have Dumbo with a score of 11.5 out of 30. In 18th, I have Black Cauldron with a score of 12. In 18th, I have Rescuers with a score of 11.5. In 17th, I have Rescuers with a score of 13. Then uh, the next one I have is Fox and the Hound with 13.5. In 16th place, I have Peter Pan with 16. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, All right, the next one I have is Sleeping Beauty with 17 out of 30 in 15th i have fox and the hound with 16 points the next one i actually have is black cauldron with 18 in 14th i have bambi with 17 then also with 18 i have fantasia with uh 18 i just said that twice but 18 fantasia in 18 points i don't know what we're on now in 13th i have sleeping beauty with 17 then also with 18 points i've got the uh i've got winnie the pooh but it had the highest magic score of those three in 12th place i have fantasia with 17 then i have alice in wonderland with 18 and a half 
In 11th place, I have Robin Hood with 18. I have a lot of 18s. It's true. Then I have 101 Dalmatians with 19. 10th place, we made it to the top 10. Number 10 is Alice in Wonderland for me with 18 points. Uh, Pinocchio with 19. In ninth place, I have Pinocchio with 18. Then I have uh, Lady and the Tramp with 20 and a half. In eighth place, I have Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh with 18 and a half. Then I have a three-way tie, but the next one will be The Great Mouse Detective. In seventh, I have 101 Dalmatians with 19 points. Then I've got, uh, got Robin Hood. In sixth place, I've got Lady and the Tramp with 19 and a half. Then I've also got Lady and the Tramp next. Uh, it had a five on magic, so it broke the tie on those other ones. In fifth place, I have Aristocats with 20. Uh, then I have Snow White with 22. In fourth place, I have Snow White with 20. Then next I have... Bam- I'm sorry, my last one was Bambi with 22. Did I say Snow White? I meant Bambi. You said Snow White. So Bambi, then Snow White? Uh, no, actually, next is Peter Pan. Oh, wait, yeah, Bambi was right. Sorry. <laughs> But then Peter Pan. I'll somehow edit this to make it make sense. Peter Pan is number four. It's the point. Okay. Number three, I have The Great Mouse Detective with 21 and a half. I have Snow White with 23. Number two, I have Cinderella with 23 and a half. Number two, I have Jungle Book with 24 and a half. And my number one film is Jungle Book with 27 and a half. And my number one is Cinderella with 25. So, 20 films in here, and, uh, you know, we've sort of made it through... We're out the other side of Disney's, you know, kind of shit years. We're about to hit the big-ass Disney renaissance, which, you know, is, I'm going to say everybody. It's not really everybody, but on the internet, it feels like it's everybody's childhood. We're about to get there. Um, You know, the big films of the 90s. And then, you know, we closed this last time around by looking forward to our next 10 films. We'll do the same here. So, I know next in line is Oliver and Company, which I vaguely remember, um, you know, owning... And uh, having the uh, the video of, I think we kept it at uh, in our grandma's house. Yep. Um, it was just kind of a movie that was there for me. I don't know that it was ever like yeah. my favorite movie. <clears throat> I don't have a lot of memories of, uh, of Oliver and Company, but our next film is Oliver and Company. Then we get The Little Mermaid. A fantastic movie. Then we get The Rescuers Down Under. Also good. Then we get Beauty and the Beast. A classic. Then we get Aladdin. Oh, well. Speaking of live action movies that are going to be terrible. (laughs) Then we get Lion King. Uh, Speaking of live action movies that could be all right, I guess. Then we get Pocahontas, which I'm sure they'll live action Mm. add in a little while. Bit of a drop off. Yeah. Then we get The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Eh. Still dropping off. Then we get Hercules. Everybody likes Hercules. Then we get Mulan. Is that it? Pretty sure. Did I count that right? I haven't been counting. Oliver, Mermaid, Rescuers, Beauty, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan. So that's 10 films. So it will be, yeah, Mulan will be the final one of the next bunch. So we definitely got some ups and a couple of downs, but it's going to be a, a a fun run. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. These are, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm glad we sort of built up to it. Like right. these next few movies are the ones that, uh, some of the best known Disney films, uh, some of the ones that are most uh most well loved and so uh hopefully with uh, all of our show experience now through all these episodes we'll be well prepared uh here's here's (laughs) hoping to tell you these movies are good and that we like them (laughs) that is true we might struggle to to come up with enough uh content we'll see you never know sometimes we get sidetracked we've always got talk and snack to fall back on so so uh you made your big uh your big dick pizza (laughs) order from pizza you can't 
not give context to that. Uh, on the app, you can name your favorite order. Right. You can save an order to your favorites and name it apparently whatever you want. So I called it Big Dick Pizza, and I was gonna put like XXX at the end, but I ran out of space. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you didn't I, go with Big Sausage Pizza, which is well, an actual porn website. On it, okay, so it would be a misnomer. All right. And I don't like to fuck with my pizza head because one one time they just gave me a pizza. <laughs> Big pizza. What do you mean you don't like to fuck with your pizza? One time they just gave me a pizza with just pineapple on it and oh, nothing else. Oh, and, and then we pizza. walked, we got home and went, "Where's the ham?" And then we had to drive back up there and go, "Give us some ham, please." They just sprinkle it on top. No, they just gave oh. us a little takeout container of like really with, with ham in it. And we're like, oh, "Thank okay. you, bye." Uh. Wait, that is true. So snack on that, everybody. Snack it up. Snack it out. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Dudes. Dudes. Dogs barking like assholes. Asshole dogs. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Uh, We've been doing this for 20 episodes now, plus a whole lot of bonus episodes in between. Just a big, heartfelt thank you to you guys for listening to us. If you enjoyed the clips you heard in this episode, we invite you to check them out. The ones I specifically chose came from the following films. Disney's Descendants, 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, The Jungle Book, The Black Cauldron, Pete's Dragon, and Robin Hood. So if you enjoyed them, please check out those episodes. If you've heard them before, feel free to do it again. Um, we like to think this is a good episode to introduce new people to. We're, we're always looking to get new people into the show. And we find word of mouth is the best way to do it. So, you know, please, guys, if you're enjoying this, just, uh, you know, tell your friends about us. And, uh, hey, maybe leave us one of those five-star reviews on iTunes. Coming up, we'll have the start of Season 3, which our first film will be Oliver and Company, followed by The Little Mermaid. Which those are, you know, we're getting to see some big time Disney releases here. We're about to hit the Disney renaissance. It's an exciting time. And hey, we might just have a couple bonus episodes coming up for you too. So once again, thanks for listening to us and uh, join us in season three.